And welcome once again to another edition of A Plain Answer here at Redeemer Broadcasting. I'm Dan Elmendorf. On the Skype line with us today is Robert Bryce. He's a visiting fellow at the Foundation for Research on Equal Opportunity. He's host of the Power Hungry podcast, co-producer of the documentary Juice, How Electricity Explains the World, and also an author, and he can tell us about those books later. Robert, it's an honor to have you on with us today. Well, thank you, Dan. Thanks for asking me. I found out about you because you had written an article in the Daily Signal, and that's how I came across your name. The article was titled, Blackouts Loom in California, as electricity prices are absolutely exploding. And I don't know, I, I think this is a, is a major thing, because electricity affects all of us, and if it's affecting California, before long it's going to affect New York. So, Robert, take it away. Well, I, I think you've hit it just right exactly on, on the nose there, Dan, on the dot, on the nail, on the head. Um, pick your metaphor. But, yes, California has long been seen as the, as the, the bell cow, right, the, 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 the leader in fashion, leader in, in you know, design and in regulatory things as, uh, as well. And what we're seeing in California is nothing short of a disaster when it mm. comes to affordable energy. And this is something that I've become increasingly concerned about. And in particular, you mentioned I'm a visiting fellow at the Foundation for Research on Equal Opportunity. It's the affordability of energy. And when I look at these decarbonization plans, and re- really pretty much regardless of which ones you're talking about, whether it's subsidies for electric vehicles, whether you're talking about renewable energy mandates, or re- rooftop solar Ultimately, they are designed or, or ultimately the beneficiaries are wealthy people and the people who get hurt are the low and middle income consumers. Yes. And we see this over and over and over again. And it's really concerning, but it's particularly concerning in California because, uh, as I pointed out in the in the piece that I was I published, it was originally published in Real Clear Energy in the last in last year alone in 2020, electricity prices in California went up seven and a half percent. That was in one year. It was seven times the electricity price increase seen in the rest of the U.S. And that comes on top of a 40% increase that occurred over the, over the last decade. And state regulators are predicting a 40% increase over the coming decade. So California, you know, I don't want to, I don't want to get too technical on, on you here, but they're, they're screwed. I mean, they have yes. so many, so many problems. But one of the key ones is that this affordability crisis in a state that has the highest poverty rate in America and the largest Latino population. So for all of these woke climate policies, they're incredibly regressive on the low and middle income and minority communities. Now, there's a push to go to electric vehicles. And I'm not against electric vehicles, but won't that increase the load on the grid? You're right. And and it's one of the issues that is is um, remarkable to me that this idea, oh, we'll electrify everything. This is the push from a lot of climate activists that the way we solve climate change, and I don't know how they think they can do it with the U.S. alone when <laughs> China is building coal-fired power plants by the tens of gigawatts. That's true. But, never, but, but nevertheless, this is how we solve the climate crisis is to electrify everything. Well, the, the process of attempting to electrify transportation alone in the United States and then add an enormous amount of new demand onto the electric grid, and particularly in places like California where the the grid is already straining under existing demand, 
explain how it's going to be done. That's this is the part that where the whole argument falls uh, down is that they they don't explain how who who's going to pay for this. What's yes. how are they going to do it? Where are they going to build the transmission lines? How are you going to decide all this renewable capacity in a state like California? Or you even see it? You're in New York State. Same dynamic there over land use conflicts uh, where rural communities are saying, we don't want your stupid wind turbines and your big solar projects because this is our neighborhood and we want to keep it the way it is. We have a large solar project down towards Ellenville along 209, and there's many, 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 many panels out in the field, and I'm thinking, wow, that that took up a lot of space, a lot of real estate uh, for these panels that don't work at night. They don't work when they're covered in snow here in the Northeast. They don't work during a day when it's overcast. Um, there's a lot of downsides to it. Yeah, it's a great technology, but it's not the panacea that people think it is. Well, and, and you're right. And of course, this was one of the things. And and I'll tell you, Dan, my own my own politics, my own views on these issues changed in February. I live in Austin, Texas, and we were blacked out, my wife and I, um, for 45 hours. And we live in the center of town. And we were fortunate that we had natural gas in our home. We have a fireplace. So we were pretty comfortable. Yes. And, and, and we didn't have to leave our home. But the push now is electrify everything and prohibit the use of natural gas in homes. Oh. And so, well, if you look at it, and I testified before the, the House uh, Select Committee on the climate crisis last week, and I made these three points. This is about affordability, resilience, and supply chains. So to your point about the, the, the solar panels, well, it's really only wealthy people. Or, and I have solar panels on the roof of my house here in Austin, full disclosure. I got three different subsidies for them. It's about resilience and it's about supply chain. So mm-hmm. the wealthy people are the ones who can afford s- solar panels. In terms of resilience, they don't do anything when during times in blackouts when it's snowing or they're covered with snow. But th- the final point and, you know, about the, the big issue for me now when it comes to solar is, well, what about the supply chain? Just in the last few weeks, the Biden administration has sanctioned uh, Chinese uh, uh, polysilicon coming from the Uyghur region in China. Well, how clean uh, – how uh, – how um, successful are you going to be at branding this as clean energy when half of the world's polysilicon comes from slave labor in China? How oh, is that yeah. clean energy? I mean, it's, it's, to me, it's, it's, this is a, a really a crisis in the whole idea of how we've been defining clean, green, environmental, et cetera, and because it, 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 on close examination, it falls apart. You know, another thing that means a lot to me is just the basic nuts and bolts. You know, my background is engineering, uh, run the, the network here, the radio network, and things are fundamental. They have to work. Okay, the bottoms up, they just, they got to work. And and if you start just simply mandating an area to become um, free of whatever, and, and you don't have the nuts and bolts in place, and you don't have the reality on the ground, uh, the project will fail. Well, you're, you're right. And, and one of the other things that's occurred to me just in the last few days, and it's not, I've been thinking about this actually for more than a decade now, mm-hmm. is that the bias in a lot of these models on, on, on uh, future designs of our grid and how we're going to change our energy systems, our energy and power systems, Oh, and we're going to run them all on renewables and because we're going to be more efficient and in the future we're going to use less energy. Well, <clears throat> we can have long discussions about what, you know, the state of climate science, how serious it is, it's getting hotter, colder. The, 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 the key point, it, 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 I think, is undeniable 
is that whether it's hotter, closer, colder, more extreme, or we face more extreme weather, we're going to be using more energy, not less. Correct. And that's clear, clearly what we've seen <clears throat> in, in the Northwest where the air conditioning demand is soaring because people want to stay cool in the summer. Hello? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah. Yeah, I, I talked to my wife today and I said something like, uh, just imagine, you know, we've had a little heat wave and all of that. Just imagine that uh, you're, you're, you're older now. You're 80, 80 years old and you're in your house or apartment or whatever and the power goes out. The power goes out, and you need air conditioning. I mean, this is a this is a crisis to to the older folks when they lose their power and they require that air conditioning. Maybe they maybe they have um, some oxygen that they're on and whatever. So it, it's a very serious thing. It is, and you know, when you were speaking about that, Dan, it, it brought to mind a, a point about what happened here in Texas um, after Winter Storm Uri. Um, the initial death count was put at something on the order of, of 100 uh, right in the immediate aftermath. Well, then the Houston Chronicle did some examination, and they said, well, actually, the number is probably closer to 200. And then in May, BuzzFeed News did an analysis and estimated actually the, the, the total excess mortality, the total number of deaths that were caused by winter storm Uri is closer to 700. Wow. And, and why was that? It was the things you were just mentioning. Well, people who were on dialysis, who needed that dialysis and couldn't get it those few days, or people who were already medically fragile and, you know, just that few days of bad weather where they weren't, didn't have oxygen, didn't have dialysis, didn't have whatever it was, weakened them so that they ended up dead. And so this was very similar to what happened in, in, and you mentioned, you were kind of mentioned my documentary, which came out a year ago, which I co-produced with my colleague Tyson Culver. Juice, How Electricity Explains the World, is it's out. You can watch it on Roku Channel for free. If you want more about it, look at juicethemovie.com. Um, it's on Amazon Prime. It's on Google Play. It's, it's available on any of the major streaming services. But that was one of the things that I wrote about. We, we went to Puerto Rico for the film. I wrote about it in my new book, uh, A Question of Power. There was a similar excess mortality event in Puerto Rico after Hurricane Maria. Because of the people who are medically fragile. It's to your point, and I'll finish with this point, is just that electricity is the critical network. The the, the electric grid is the mother network. It's the network upon which all of our other modern networks depend. Oh, yeah. And we, we monkey around with it at our extreme peril. Oh, that is so true. It's so good to hear that. Uh, this is serious stuff to do- start dorking around with this and 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 just fool ourselves that we're going to go to all solar or whatever. I mean, solar comprises what two, maybe upwards to two and a half percent of our electric power comes from solar. The re- the rest of it comes from other sources. Possibly as high as sixty percent comes from. Uh, fossil fuels, and I believe upwards of almost twenty percent comes from nuclear. I, I'm actually a fan of nuclear. Well, of course. I mean, if you're, and, and this is the part that Dan, I I, I know you're 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 a Christian, you're a believer. To me, and it, it, the the issue of how do we care for the earth? What are the things that are green? And I I wrote, I've written about this now for more than a decade. Well, small footprints are green yes small footprints are green that allows more uh, more uh, uh more land for nature sparing land for nature is the the term that a lot of mm-hmm. of, of analysts use well nuclear if uh, you live in new york the, the closure of the indian point nuclear plant in buchanan 
was a, a, I mean, a travesty. Oh, and I'm I so still, glad. I'm so glad get, you mentioned that. I, I get spitting mad when I think about this Amen. because it was it was a forced closure for purely political reasons by Governor Andrew Cuomo and cheered on by the Natural Resources Defense Council, a group that got $100 million from Jeff Bezos, oh whose former president and CEO, Gina McCarthy, is the now the senior climate advisor to the Biden administration. They participated in, or they cheered on, they led the charge to close that plant. Okay, so now my rant is mostly out of the way. It might come back here in a minute, Dan. But to replace that 16 terawatt hours a year of electricity, of energy that was produced from that, that plant, which covered one square kilometer, to produce that same 16 terawatt hours of electricity per year with wind energy would require covering a, a, at least 1,300 square kilometers with wind turbines. Mm. Well, you can't do it in New York. No. If you follow, do you live in New York? If you look at the towns of, of Yates, Somerset, Niagara County, um, uh, Erie County, they, they've all come out in direct opposition to the spread of wind and solar projects. They Good don't point. want them in their neighborhoods. And so if, if the idea of stewardship, if we are supposed to take care of what we were given, this our, our, the, 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 uh, our, our natural surroundings, we want small footprints, not big ones. And so yet true. The, and yet the, the gospel, if I can use that word on a Christian broadcasting network, <laughs> the gospel that is being preached by the Sierra Club, the Natural Resources Defense Council, Environmental Defense Fund, 350.org, Greenpeace, et cetera, is we're going to cover the countryside with solar and wind turbines. Well, that's just – it's an abomination. I'm a, I'm a bird watcher. The, the idea that you would cover such vast areas with wind and solar projects is absolute lunacy. <laughs> I laugh because I, you just thrill me just to hear you say all this. It's so true. So very true. Um, what else ticks you off? <laughs> <laughs> well, let me see. You only have 30 minutes here on the door. I don't feel like I've got a long list. The designated hitter rule in baseball. I mean, come on. If the pitcher is going to play, make him hit. And don't, you don't get a bye. I don't, I'm tired. My elbow hurts. Well, you get up there and you swing the bat anyway. How about that one? That one really ticks me off. Like, if you're going to play baseball, you have to play. You can't just say, oh, no, somebody else hits better, so he gets to hit for me. No, you have to play. <laughs> Someone told me that uh, when Indian Point shut down, a sad scene developed, and that is they, they hung all these hard hats along the fence to indicate the many, many jobs that were lost in, I want to say, our region. It's further south of where I live. But it uh, not just ticked me off like it did you, but it, it's also so sad when unnecessarily jobs are lost. Oh, absolutely. And, you know, I, I, and I mentioned Juice, and we visited Indian Point, and we filmed there. Wow. And, and it was – I've been lucky in my life. I'm, you know, I'm a journalist. I've been, in, I've, I've been a reporter all my life. I've never really had a real job. Um, and, I've, and, and in 30 or 40, 35 years of doing this, I've, I've visited a lot of interesting places. You know, I've been in underground coal mines. I've been in above ground coal mines. I've been in refineries. I've visited geothermal plants, oh, uh, wow. you know, hydro plants. I've, I've seen a lot of, you know, amazing industrial sites, but Indian Point was a whole nother level. I mean, it was just a remarkable uh, bit of technology and it should be seen in America, as one of uh, Emmett Penny wrote a beautiful essay in the American Conservative a few weeks ago, he called them our industrial cathedrals. Mm. And I thought, 
wow, now that's a beautiful term. It uh, is. Because it's, this is the apogee of our technology, the Acme, the Zenith. This is the best that we have come up with in terms yes. of producing electricity. And it was shut down for craven political gain That's right. by a very small group of very powerful envir- so-called environmental groups because they just wanted to be able to th- throw their power around. I don't think there was anything else in it except we're going to show you that we have the juice in order to close this down. And just a final point on that, Dan, when I – you know how you're at a party or something, or you're at a thing, and you think later you think of that line you should have said, or you think of the thing that you should have realized. In we were in the turbine hall for Unit Two Reactor at, at Indian Point. This was three years ago, mm-hmm. and there was one section where we're in the turbine hall, and it's a the it's the turbine shaft for all of the you know the generation that comes out of that one reactor, which is over a thousand megawatts, and you could see in 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 the entire length of the turbine shaft, it was almost all obscured except for one section where you could see the metal itself spinning, and it's about an eight inch in diameter steel. Uh, 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 shaft and, yeah. and all of the all of the the, the rest of the turbine equipment r- was r- was running around this same shaft. And later I realized oh, we didn't film that. And why are we not? And, you know, of course I thought well, <laughs> should have. In, in hindsight, of course everything's twenty twenty. But that one turbine shaft was running one out of every eight elevators in the city of New York. One out of wow. every eight lights. One out of every eight iPhones, computers you name it, was being motivated by the, by the energy that was being generated by the spinning steel right there. Yes. And on this remarkably small footprint, and yet they closed it down. I but mean, it's just, it's a travesty. It's it an is. an absolute travesty. It is. By losing that site, we've put ourselves that much closer to failure here in New York. Absolutely. Oh, we're right on the and, edge as it is anyway, and it just, it just, it is irksome. Um we got uh, just a few minutes left. Why don't you tell us a little bit about the books you have written and how people can learn more, where they can go to order them, and that sort of thing? Sure. So my mo- my recent book, it came out uh, in, in March of, of last year. And by the way, so my book, it's called A Question of Power, Electricity and the Wealth of Nations. Um, and I wrote the book and, and made the documentary in parallel, which I don't recommend in, in, in retrospect. It was, <laughs> it was, it was not an easy, easy effort, but I got them done, <clears throat> but I'm proud of both of them. And the gist of the book is that electricity is, is the key motivator for society. This is the most important and fastest growing form of energy in the world. And every, everything we do, everything, nearly everything we read, eat, touch, or wear has it in one way or another been electrified. And so we need to generate a whole lot more electricity globally so we can bring more people out of the dark and into the light. We mm. need, especially for women and girls. This is absolutely essential in the developing world for women to stop washing clothes by hand. The more time they're washing clothes by hand is the less time they have in the library, in the school, mm-hmm. in, you know, in the workplace. So, and this was one of the things that's the part of the history in the United States around the New Deal that, uh, that Congress realized we need to get these women to on the farm and the ranch quit washing clothes by hand. They need electric washers. And that mm-hmm. was the Farm Home Administration. But those two, those two things, the, 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 that's my sixth book. I've written uh, five others. My first book was on Enron that came out in 2002. Um, and then, of course, the film is out, um, Juice, How Electricity Explains the World. As I said, it's on Roku, uh, the Roku channel for free now. It's on Amazon Prime, et cetera. And also I have the podcast, uh, Power Hungry Podcast. Um, 
uh, which I'm having a great deal of fun with. Uh, we generally release a, a new episode every week. Uh, this week, we released an interview with uh, Robert Hargraves, who's a, a founder of Thorcon International, a company that's building or developing uh, thorium reactors. Um, they're still in the in the startup phase. Um, but one that might be particularly interesting to your listeners was a, a podcast we did last week um, with uh, Sally Trimbath, who's a theologian at Santa Clara University in California. And we talked a lot about the ideas, the overlap between Christian belief and climate catastrophism, mm-hmm. and uh, which I thought was really and uh, some ideas that we talked about. But even the idea of carbon credits as in, as modern indulgences, right? I mean, there's a there's a lot of <laughs> there's a lot of overlap here. Yeah. Well, um, let me just jump to something else. It just popped sure, into my mind, if I, if you don't mind. Yeah. Um, you you've seen different plants. You 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 mentioned a nuclear plant. I assume you've been to other plants. Um, if someone wants to learn really quick at a high level, how does a power plant work? How does it create the power? What would you tell them? Well, <laughs> I think of Richard Feynman, and I don't, I don't say that to sound uh, you know, like I'm a braggart, right? He was the famous physicist. But he said, you know, how do you explain how electricity works? He said, well, the thing over here spins, and it makes something else over there spin. Yeah. So when you think about it, ultimately, that it, 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 and I'm paraphrasing what he said. It's not exactly, but that was the gist of what he was yeah. talking about. But it, it, these power plants, they spin it, unless it's a solar plant, right? They're where you're, sure. you're using photovoltaic energy to, to, to create current. But generally, you're, you're spinning something. Since the days Correct. of Edison, you're spinning a, a, a turbine. And by spinning that turbine, you, produ- you produce electrical uh, energy that then is sent over wires. And then you use that at the other end. A lot of times to spin something, or sometimes yes. it's to heat it up, or something. But, but essentially, that's the that's the nut of it. For yeah. now, 140 years, um, that's been the, the how you how do you make electricity? Well, you heat something up, and that heating it up, you make some steam, and you use that steam to spin something, and that creates current, and that allows you to use that work, use that energy to then use to make work. Energy is the ability to to to. Energy is the ability to do work. Power is the rate at which work gets done. Mm, that's a great explanation. Thanks for that. Um, close to the I end. Think, you think I should go into this energy thing here, Dan? You yeah, think it would be a good idea? It, it may be. You may, you may want to teach a couple of courses or something. <laughs> do you get called? <laughs> maybe, write, maybe write a book. <laughs> do you get called often? You mentioned that you uh, testify before Congress or whatever. Does that happen from time to time with you? Well, I've testified before Congress now five times, um, twice in the last uh, eight months. Um, wow. And, uh, in fact, I just got notified by someone with the uh, House uh, Science Committee um, uh, on energy equity um, about possibly testifying. Again, I, you know, I care about these issues. And, you yes. know, it's one of the things that um, – you know, I, I turned 61 in a few weeks and, you know, I think a lot even at my age about what's my purpose. And oh, yeah. this is one of the things that is this really is one of the purposes of my life. And, you know, that a long time ago, another author, journalist said, you don't pick what you write. It picks you. And <laughs> this 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 picked me. And yeah. I think at this at this point in particular, where we're in the midst of this, let's call it what it is, a craze for renewables correct that my purpose has been to say well no no this is not what you think it is and in fact what a lot of this the things that are being promoted here are massively regressive and are going to hurt the 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 low and middle income consumers who the liberals say they care the most about and to me that's 
that's absolutely essential to to underscore and to keep pointing out over and over again. Oh, that is so true. And uh, we started the discussion uh, referencing an article you wrote for the Daily Signal, which was previously published elsewhere. And and one thing stood out in there. It said, uh, last week, the state's grid operator, the California Independent System operator, issued a flex alert. What is a flex alert for our listeners? Well, it, they're asking consumers to use less electricity. And so that was the flex alert, which was saying, if you don't need to run your washing machine or something, then don't do it because we need to conserve electricity. It's unbelievable. And, and and I just thought about that because in the film, <clears throat> or rather for the film, we went to Beirut, and uh, I'm glad I'm not in Beirut now. Lebanon, wow. of course, has descended into you know, near chaos. Yes. Um, but I, I just think about California. This is one of the most advanced economies in the world. If oh, yeah. I, I guess if it were a standalone country, it would be the fifth largest economy in the world. And they don't have enough power to let people run their washing machine when they want to. That's what's and, shocking. You know, no pun it, intended. It, 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 yeah, very nice. Uh, you're going to get amped up on those puns. Um, but yeah, I mean, it, it just it is it is remarkable, and it's all self inflicted. It's all self inflicted damage. It is. Yeah. Well, today we've been talking with Robert Bryce, visiting fellow at the Foundation for Research on Equal Opportunity, host of the Power Hungry podcast. And hey, if they somebody wants to tune into your podcast, where do they go, Robert? Well, the easiest way is powerhungrypodcast.com. Uh, but you can also find us on, on any of the Spotify, uh, Buzzsprout, uh, Apple Podcasts, all of the other outlets. It's, uh, it's hard to miss. I think if you use the, the Google, you can find it pretty well. <laughs> He's also done the documentary Juice, How Electricity Explains the World. So look that up and uh, maybe get one of his books. Robert, God bless you, my friend. Thank you so much for joining us today. You bet, Dan. Thanks. And uh, anytime. And dear listener, please join us next week for another edition of A Plain Answer.